Benfica Podcast is one of the founding members of Benfica Independent. Benfica Independent is an independent platform made by fans for fans. And in it, you can find our podcast, along with many other podcasts, along with articles of opinion, video segments, and much, much more. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent, with exclusive contents for our Patreons. Hasta que no estás aquí dentro no sabes la grandeza de, de este equipo. Sí, es un club que tiene una grandeza que no se comprende si no estás aquí dentro. Son de una magia única, benfiquista, que solo nosotros sentimos así. Por muchos desgustos que podamos tener, valores más altos se levantan. O valor mais alto que se levanta em termos futebolísticos chama-se Benfica. Quero o Benfica intimidar o adversário. Quero um manto sagrado entrar com vocês em qualquer estado. E estamos, pá! É isso que eu quero! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dolby Fica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasic. With you, as always, every week, bringing you the latest and greatest in Bifica land. With me, as always, Dave D'Oliveira from the Great Up. From the Great Up. Great Up. It's not Great Up. Great White. Great uh, White great, North. No, up yeah. North. There something. I don't know. You know, sometimes my, my, uh, my brain doesn't work that well. It's expected. Um, and that is ballsy. That is courageous. I'm just going to introduce myself. Hello, Cristiano Oliver. Smash the like button. That is very courageous, very ballsy on your part to say. Yeah. Latest, which you're right on board, but the greatest. I don't know if there's anything been great on our side, but that is ballsy of you to say. Nonetheless, what's up, Alfredo? Welcome. What's happening? Podcast. Welcome what's back, Chris. Guys. I know that uh, you you almost you almost made it last week. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to let you guys know that are listening. I apologize. Dave, I don't know if Alfredo told you. I apologize to, to Alfredo the next day. I said, dude, I'm so sorry. Because, like, if I wanted to time it, but I don't think I would have timed it better. I literally showed up. Hey, what's up, guys? And all right. Nice talking to you. <laughs> See you later. Back. And I was like, oh. we were, <laughs> yeah, we were wrapping up when you showed up in the, in the, in the chat on YouTube. I I showed up in Sir Alex Ferguson time. That's right. <laughs> that time. That was it. Right on the final whistle, bro. Like, wow, what That's the? Right. Like, my bad guy. But yeah, but I showed up though, and I it's, smashed the like button. Yeah, it's all it's, good, it's, man. All I don't know if it, I, Chris. I don't know, like Chris. Um, you know when you rate the when you rate the players, right? And those guys that come in with ten minutes left, and you can't rate them because they didn't play enough. That's gonna be you. You you don't get us. That doesn't yeah, count no as rating. a start last week. Not even an, <laughs> an appearance. That doesn't count as an appearance last week. <laughs> uh, but here we are. Only one person in the chat. A ball of hools. Welcome. Uh, where is everybody? Like you were saying, Chris, there's six people and, and three of them are us. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Lose you guys. No, you're still no, here. I can hear you. 
think I lost you guys. I no, you hear. You hear. Can you hear us or no? I, well, obviously I can now, but you guys went silent. Everything froze for a second, so I don't know. It's your internet connection, I man. Go upstairs. I have to go upstairs and uh, smash my router. <laughs> uh, maybe get it to function a little bit better. But yeah, I don't know what the hell you guys said. I was saying that you know you said I don't get a rating. I was saying do I, do I get a pat on the back for a nice try or anything like that? Maybe. No, no, not even. No pats <laughs> on the back. No vitórias morais. No há vitórias morais. Anyway, episode five. Let's fi talk about things that matter. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, that's right. Episode five hundred five is what we're up to. Uh, we're going to recap the Chaves game. Benfica played up north in Trazos Montes against Chaves this past weekend. We'll talk about that. We'll look ahead to Benfica's match day four in the Champions League against Real Sociedad. The team will travel to Basque Country um, in Spain to play Real Sociedad. And we'll look ahead to the Eternal Derby that comes up this Sunday against first place Sporting with Benfica having a chance to uh, tie up Sporting in first place of the Portuguese League. Uh, Abola Rules, DJ Natural Fire, Diogo Reis, Jason Gaidola, Cristiano Oliveira, everybody's in the chat now. Smash the like button if you haven't already. Let's get this party started. So Benfica played on Saturday, traveled up north, as I mentioned, uh, at Chaves, uh, a game that last year was one of our only losses. Could that, is that right, Dave? That was one of my only losses. I think I mentioned that in the preview. It was the, the last loss, that's for sure. Last it was uh, one of the more painful ones. Yeah, more painful ones is right. And uh, we saw something different from uh, – actually, no. We had seen the three center back uh, setup against uh, Aroca already, right? That was the first time. But we did learn from Roger Schmidt that one of the reasons why he went to the three back setup uh, was the fact that uh, there's there's lots of injuries. Kokshu is is hurt. Bernat uh, Ba is hurt. Uh, so three center back setup. Truben was in goal. Silva, Otamendi, Muratu, Neves, Tino, João Mario, and Auschnitz, Di Maria, Gedge, and Rafa. Cristiano, how do you like that? How do you like how, how do you like the the three center back setup with now uh, this midfield too? Is a different look midfield. I know that we haven't spoken to you and haven't heard your opinion on it. So what do you what do you think of what are your thoughts? Well, there's there's in my opinion. There's some positives and there's some negatives. As you very well may know, over the years I've always talked about how if I were a coach, I, I would apply the. 3-5-2, tactic. Um, but as much as I like it and I understand what his reasoning for it is today, um, as you guys also may very well know, I, I'm a little bit bigger of a Morato fan than the regular person is. So anything to get the guy in the field, um, you know, I, I'm all for it. And, and obviously the other two guys in Otamendi and uh, Antonio Silva – can't get those guys off the field. They're fantastic players. One's a fantastic leader. One's another fantastic youngster. So, look, I'm all for playing all these th the three guys at the same time. Now, looking at the way that Roger has applied this 3-4-3, it leaves me scratching my head. I'm I'm, I'm not a fan. I, I don't understand some of the, I guess, player instructions or whatever it may be because every single player – uh, on the pitch has their own individual instructions, their own individual job to do. And, and it just, I have a million, gazillion, trillion questions, which one is, for the life of me, I cannot understand why in the world he would push 
the likes of João fucking Neves, who's been arguably our best player since the first week of August. Why would you push this guy to the outside into a unnatural position for him to make room for none other than João Mario? And then even if you were to defend that move, I would, I would, you know, question you. I would answer you with, you know, last year I recall plenty of times when Arsenal was playing on one wing and João Mario was playing on the other wing. And and guys, I mean, Alfredo, Dave, you guys are my witnesses. I would come on this podcast and I would often question why in the hell, why in the hell is João Mario playing on the outside? He's not a winger. He's not an outside midfielder. He should be playing in the middle. And so now you bring him into the middle in order to take João Neves out of his natural position. It just, it just all contradicting each other. And then you go look at the way this team plays in the other big games throughout the season against Porto, against Sociedad at home. He did not start Florentino Luis because he didn't have any confidence in Florentino Luis's touch. And his ability to break the first line of press. And then it looked like for a long stretch of that game where Florentino was the one midfielder that was the most on the ball, controlling the game. And I'm just like, wait a minute. So this guy doesn't have the ability, but now he's the one. It just, there's so many questions, guys. And so just to make it short, because I've been going off for a couple of minutes now, I, I I don't like the way he's applied it. I don't like his, his, you know, I get it. There's a lot of injuries, but I still don't like, what he's done with this midfield. I still don't think it's anything special. It worked against Roca somewhat. It worked against Shavs somewhat. I don't think Bifika was impressive at all. Uh, Shavs created chances. I, I, I didn't get much from Bifika. You had a you had a, a moment of stellar play from the guy I just criticized for playing on the outside, but my man got a little... I don't know what it was, Kafu in him or whatever the hell it may be. And he, 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 he it was a play all on it. It had nothing to do with coaching. It was just his spectacular ability, his never say die attitude that made that that made that opportunity in order for Benfica to score a goal. And so, and then another fortuitous penalty, which to me was BS, but whatever. It is what it is, touch to the face and, you know, the two going how it is. But there's not a lot to take from these last two games against shit-ass monkle competition, and you expect me to be all hoo-ha-ha <laughs> because, oh, we're going to play Sociedad and now we're going to fuck the midfield and then Sporting has been playing in the system for the last three years. Oh, yeah, we're going to be a lot more competitive. You want you expect me to be all ecstatic about it? I just I can't find it. Sorry, guys. No, I, I'll be quiet. Uh, I, I certainly understand, uh, and I think that the, the one logic thing that we could talk about Nev's on a, on a right hand side on the outside of the midfield is the fact that he he has to cover that that corridor, and I don't think that Joel Mario has that that range. And when you mentioned Joel Mario playing on the outside, that was at a time where we were playing with fullbacks also. So I don't think that the same it's the same situation. So I do understand why he's putting him there because Joel Neves is better defensively and and covers a lot more ground than Joel Mario. But certainly, I, I agree with you that Joel Neves should be in the middle. But who do we put on the right that has those same characteristics? Always, oh, there's always that question. There's always that doubt in my head, right? When it comes, I don't care the sport because, you know, I follow all the major American sports and stuff like that. Uh, and, and so 
I have these questions in, in terms of other athletes and other te teams. And I always ask, and I was, you know, to me, it makes no sense removing a very, very, very valuable piece. One of the pieces that you don't even have to doubt for a second or question if this piece is, is what you need, if this piece is functioning, if this is a player that, that needs that, that, that is adding value. When you're removing one of those pieces to put that piece in a position where they're not, as effective or successful as as when they're in their most comfortable positioning just to make way for another subpar play it just doesn't make any sense joe neves is not to move guys joe neves bro. until his wheels fall off i'm not moving this kid for anybody okay so i'm sorry to cut you off but that's that's where I was going with. Joao Mario, I understand you're playing your fullbacks, yada, yada, yada. But Joao Mario, there's a whole bunch of nothing, right? And I'm not moving a player who has been crucial to my season so far this year just to make it, you know, make things adequate for somebody else. I just won't do it. But that's me. Let me ask you this because this was something that was uh, that we were talking about in the, in the chat that we usually have during game time with, with Steve Santos and uh, – one of the things that that we mentioned was that this change for this this setup, what it does is that it it set up it it sets up uh, when Kokshu is healthy and he could come in. I think that Juamari position is going to Kokshu. Are you okay with Kokshu being in that position and Juamari no. being on the right? No. Again, I just said to you for the last you and Dave and our beautiful listeners for the last three minutes that it makes no sense to play João Neves on the outside. Realistically, look, I'm not trying to sound like I know more than anybody else. But again, there's a lot of times where the writing is on the wall, bro, and it's so plain to see that all you have to do is just open your eyes and you will see it. When this whole team is healthy, okay, the best way to implement everyone and to get everybody to, I think, their max potential is very soon. You playing in a 4-3-3. And look, that pains me to say because I would like Morato to play a little bit more than he's playing. And I understand he's not going to take Otamendi or Antonio Silva off the pitch. That means sitting Morato on the bench. I understand that. But you have to go to a 4-3-3. Florentino has proven that he has to play. I know he's not fantastic with the ball. His feet, yada, 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 is limited, bop, 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 but the team is a totally different team with him on the field. And then you play João Neves alongside. Let João Neves do what João Neves has done all year, box to box. Be the heart and soul of the team. The dude's fantastic. Why put any restraints on him? Just let him be João Neves. And then you put Koksu in front of him in a triangle in a 4-3-3 where he's able to play a little bit further up the field because he is not, and I know you and I had this conversation, off the air, on air, with Steve on here, with Steve in the chat. I know you guys don't think that so far Koksu has been a disappointment. I do. I don't think Koksu has lived up to expectations. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is so preoccupied with doing the right things on the defensive end where sometimes you forget that you got to go forward. You yeah. forget. He's a guy that you look at every single one of his highlights from the time that he's been successful at a professional level. He's been playing a lot further up the pitch, closer to the box. You don't yep. see any of that. He's far too behind midfield. He's far way back in the field in order to do something on the offensive side of the thing. So I think that's how you play. I think everybody is comfortable. Then you play the three the Di Maria on one side. You can play Rafa. Because Rafa, again, I still don't understand why he's playing behind the striker. He needs to play on the outside. His majority of his career has been good in space. Rafa needs to good You're right. Of traffic. You're right. I agree. I agree with you. Hoffa needs to be on the outside, way on he's the not, outside, left out. The dude, 
The dude's got, I don't understand people. Look, I've had this argument with people that have told me Rafa's got a great touch. And I'm just like, yes, you and I have a different definition of what such is. Rafa needs to be into space. Go, my man. It's kind of like Darwin Nunez when he was at Benfica. You guys recall when he played in the middle, wasn't very successful. When he played on the outside where he had a chance to just run and go get it, my man was phenomenal. And he's still like that at, at, at Liverpool to a certain extent. So, Again, it's it's right there for you to see. Now, I get it. Guys are injured. Ba's out. You know, he's not able to do that corridor. Bernat was out. But then again, we know we know Arsenal is going to play on the left, so that's that throws everybody out. Uh, everybody else out as an option. But I just think it's it's the easiest thing to do, man. I just really do. Um, I, I'm glad that Benfica got the three points. I wasn't too impressed. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I've been doing all the talking. This is not the Cristiano Oliver Benfica podcast. This is deep talking to the doll Benfica podcast so i like to hear you guys opinions but it's just i mean can you honestly tell me that you're really excited because you saw this 3-4-3 and this is really going to work against the likes of real sociedad and the sport i mean i well, hope so well f- for one thing we i know that we're playing against monkers but we've kept two clean sheets in a row for one thing um the the thing is that in understanding that maybe this three four this three four three is here to stay and understanding that you'd prefer Joanevs in the middle, the biggest, the million-dollar question is that who do you play on the right that is able to cover that corridor? The meaning, uh, Di Maria is not going to track back, so you're going to have to do midfield work and you're going to have to do full fullback work. Who do you, who's the guy? Who do we have that could play there? That's not Joanevs. I've been very disappointed on for the last two years, but it has to be Bob. Right. Has to be Ba or simple. Bernard has to get healthy. Bernard does the left flank, and then you put Arsenal's on the right. Could That's be it. too. It's not Juan. Could be too. And I'm sorry, it should not be Juan Snow. I'm sorry, it should not be him. But with with Ba hurt right now, it, who else? Who would be the but, next up then? If it's not, I don't think ba, we do. If it's not, Juan I don't. I don't, I don't think we do. Because Bernard could be the other the other solution on the other side, and and you move Arsenal's to the right, right? Because Arsenal's being a, a a natural right footer that I think that could work, but Bernat is, is resembling what we saw from Draxler, a player that came off a, a, a big injury was out for quite some time joined in the preseason. We said, okay, well let's get him up to, to speed in terms of preseason, in terms of getting to where the levels of the other players are. But now the guy's hurt again. Um, so all the expectations that we had put on Bernat, that Bernat's going to be lights out. No, forget Jurasek, forget Ristich, forget whoever else plays at left back. Bernat's going to be lights out. He's going to be the undisputed starter on the left side. So far, you know, we've we've kind of seen not much from Bernat. So we I, haven't seen much, but the last game he played, I recall. He played well. He played okay. He played. He didn't do great, but again, he's steady, right? He's yeah. not the Bernat we were all expecting. He's not the guy we anticipate, at least I anticipate he's going to be. But in 63 minutes on the pitch, he turned the ball over once. You switched him for Jurassic, and Jurassic in the first 10 minutes turned the ball over like 15 times. I mean, just for that, just give yeah. me the steadiness. Now, yeah. to answer your question going back, look, it, it, uh, it it's funny because Diogo Reis mentioned that on the chat, and I was thinking about this, and then I just happened to glance over at the chat, and I saw it. I swear to God, I wasn't cheating. But a guy that was... I don't listen. I don't want to tell you I've seen all his games, where he plays. You'll be sent last year or whatever it was. But 
comes in with a reputation as a very fast player, one of the fastest players on a roster. The guy played right back already multiple times this season, if I, I think twice, if I'm not mistaken. So, Thiago Rojo, you don't need him to attack. You just need him to do the corridor. Yep. I mean, to me, I just don't want to move Joel Neves because, he, to me, the dude's been impressive, man. And, again, I mentioned it before, Alfredo. I'm never going to move you from your strongest position, from what you're good at, to go put you at something that you're okay at. You're not as good. You're, you're not bad, but you're okay at, right? I'd rather you be at your max potential. That's me. But I want to get everybody's max potential. But he, he, he's done that with Auschwitz all, all season. I feel bad for the guy. I, every week he comes into training. He, uh, what am I going to play this week? Is it going to? Am I going to be prepared to play right back, left back, left mid, right mid, behind the striker? Like, and he does so much that he doesn't. It's gotten to the point that he's in. He doesn't create enough routines because of the consistency in terms of how he's lined up. To the point that we've seen Auschwitz and Auschwitz steady. But we haven't. We have yet to see Auschwitz at the level that we saw last year when he was playing on the left side of the midfield. And I know, Chris, you you hated that about about the setup, and you didn't think that Auschwitz should be playing there. But the fact of the matter is that we saw extremely good performances by Auschwitz uh, in that position. But so far this year, he's played right back, left back, center mid. Uh, you know, and it has been something that's very inconsistent. That can't be good for a player. Can't be good for a player at all. But but I, but I could also counter you with with an honest question, right? Which I mean, what's his natural position? You can't tell me. It's, I'm sorry. I know he played well at left mid last year, but you can't tell me Arsenal is a left winger, a left mid, especially in this because here they play sort of on the wing. He's not a midfielder. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not the old school four four two. Right. He's kind of an, an, an in, inverted, uh, whatever. Yeah, an, in, so an interior, an an interior guy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is he a left winger? He's not. I mean, all I know is that before he arrived at Benfica, he played at Firenord alongside Corksu, who played a little bit further up the field. But they played in the 4-3-3, and that's where he was successful. When Benfica went and bought him, that's where he was initially, right, expected to play was in the middle of the field. Yep. I think last year you adapted him on that left midfield because we didn't have any wingers. We had Neres, and that was it. And when Neres was injured and suspended, we had João Mari on one side and, and Koksu, I mean, I'm sorry, and, and Arsons on the other. And then we just had one of those seasons last year for the first six, seven months. We were phenomenal. And then at the end, not Arsons, not, nope, nobody can make the difference. We struggled at the end. And we got over the line. Thankfully, we got over the line. But again, can you really tell me that Arsons is a left mid, a left winger? He's not. I think where Arsenal needs to play is, again, as I said before, in that 4-3-3. And the way I'm I'm actually uh, – the way I think if you're going to go based on performances and the way that players weren't playing time, you know, you can't take out Florentino. I'm sorry, you can't. It's proven. Just go look at the last game against Sociedad. There was a freaking – that shit was Holland Tunnel in the middle, in the middle of the park. Mm. Right? Joao Neves is, is proven everybody that needs to play. And, and, uh, unless you move, remove Koksu, put him on the bench, and you play Arsenal in a 4-3-3 or Arsenal's at right back. I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. The problem with Arsenal is that he doesn't really have a position on this team. What is it? Well, he's he's played in so many that he's he's a papo toda obra, but he's like – How does the saying go? Uh, master of none. Uh, how does it good at good at master? Uh, okay, jack of all trades, master of none. 
It's a, it's Andre Almeida 2.0. Uh, it with a little bit a little bit higher level. I, I got to say I can't put uh, Auschwitz and Andre Almeida in the same category, of course. But but certainly, you know what we've seen in terms of Auschwitz this year. There's a lot of inconsistency because he's just all over the place. Um, Red Baron saying, "Não podiam ter ido buscar um Pedro Malheiro ou um Costinha as backups." Yeah, we could. Maybe that's what's going to happen in the winter, where we kind of there's some some positions we kind of need to to build up uh, some depth. The right back at being one of them. But I got to be honest. I disagree. I disagree. I'm sorry. Well, you don't need to go get another right back, Chris. If they get eliminated from European competition, what for? Still, I don't, I'm. Are you happy with Ba? No, I'm not. But what I'm telling you is, they're not going to spend any money, especially. Look, if, well, if they can spend in, in Portugal. In Portugal, they can spend. They're not going to be three games a week. But, they're, but, they're not going to do it. But I understand. But there's there's clearly guys out, in the, and I know that you don't watch a lot of the other teams, Chris. Uh, there's there's guys in the Portuguese league that would be good backups. I'm not saying that straightaway starters, but it would be good backups, and who knows, I'm maybe with some playing time. Alfredo, and I'm not saying opposite. I don't, I don't think you're understanding my point. My point is that this team, when we were alive in all competitions, they didn't make the effort to go get them. And now if they do get eliminated from Europe – there's even less reason to fortify the, this should be enough to play one game a week. That's what I'm saying. They're not going to do it. Yeah. I, I just think that you, you, I hope I'm wrong. I just think that you look at the, at that depth squad, as we've seen so many times in these Netflix and Amazon series, when you, when you're seeing the back room of coaches offices and they got the board up and they got the sticky notes with the player names. I think when they looking at the right back position, and they didn't go and get some – maybe they wanted somebody or they didn't want to spend the money, and they said, well, we got João Vitor, we got Thiago Rouge that could play there. Maybe we're just going to sit here and not do anything and, and hope that, you know, Ba is healthy, and then when he, he's not, those guys can come in and deputize for him. Um, I don't know if that's what happened, but certainly it, it makes sense. But there's there's some there's some holes, and I don't think that necessarily that the team needs to continue in Europe in order to um, – to shore up some of the the depth or lack of depth that that we have. Um, Dave, help me out, Dave. We we needed Dave. a right back since what 2018 <laughs> since Smith left. No era prioridad, <laughs> caralho. But not only on that point, but about bringing in uh, some players here from smaller clubs uh, within Portugal. I was thinking this past weekend. When was the last time Benfica has done any business with a smaller? Uh, club in, in Portugal because you see Porto and Sporting kind of I don't want to call them with feeder teams but they, they tend to pluck and promote from within other teams within well, Portugal but when was the last time Benfica I tell you, during I tell the Vieira years Chiquinho Chiquinho was the last that one was, yeah <laughs> during the Vieira years where you used to get guys in that uh, that the, the closest they became to the shirt was when they were introduced after that, no, they never put the, the shirt on. It, but it all depends. If he was in a, if he was in like Fatreno, they were first team. <laughs> no. If he was in a suit, so like like Salvador Agra and all those guys, yeah. and, and those guys will never play, never, <laughs> never, never, never play with the main squad. So uh, yeah, Dave, the last guy. Oh no, Musa. What am I talking about, Musa? Well, Musa yeah, Musa okay. was yeah. Musa was the last guy, I think. Musa was the last guy before that. It had to be, had to be what's his name? She she gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, of anybody. I, I think that uh, I think that that you're right. 
uh, all the other so guys. Mario. They got him from Zbordi. So, but that was by way of Inter. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't know if that that's something to be concerned of or because yeah. I know with these other these other teams well they kind of use it as a way to well I, I, i'll help I, you out you help me out but we really haven't seen that with benfica uh and their transfers these uh, last couple of seasons yeah i'll I, make a wager i hope i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong but if we get eliminated from european competition which i hope i'm wrong i hope we don't if we get eliminated they're not getting anybody yeah, I I don't know. It's it's possible, saying. Chris. It's possible. I just th- obviously Alfred, everything's possible. Yeah, I I just saying. I just think that um, we we should look more to the to the domestic market for sure. There there's players out there that, and they don't necessarily have to be starters, but they they're guys with good potential. Uh, that they're hard workers that would would fit the profile that we're looking for, albeit not a starter. Let's just put it that way. But right? there's one guy that signed with Porto that would have definitely gotten. He'd be getting a lot of playing time on our team. Who's that? Ivan Jaim. Ivan Jaim. Yeah, I mean, and, and he was good, but was I don't know how much how much hype. Uh, and 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 Dave, just to, he had a lot of hype. Yeah, to answer to answer your question, the reason why Porto is going to the internal markets because they don't they don't have any money. Yeah, I think that Sporting it does a lot better in terms of finding that that diamond in the rough, right? You're talking about Ugarte, that we had a chance to go and get, and we kind of pa- we passed up on it. We're talking about Pot, um, and these are players that were Edwards. Were, Edwards, Edwards was at Bovista. Um Ugarte oh, was at Famalicão. Give me sorry. Uh, Ugarte was at Famalicão. Pot was at Famalicão, if I'm not mistaken. But what about what about Scubarini? Scubarini? Riwav, a guy that was very heavily linked with Benfica. Scubarini? Yes, Scubarini. They decided not to get him. Who they go? I forget. They they opted for another striker. I forget what it is now. Yeah, it was just... I, I think that... Help out. That um, that Benfica doesn't spend enough time scouting uh, the domestic market because they figured you know we'll we'll just go to the B team if we need to go to the domestic market. But that I think that's the wrong approach because we've seen time and time again, or season and in, in season in season out, where there is there are guys that are 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 good that have potential that are that are young. Like I said, that it fit the profile that are that could be good Benfica players, and and they're really they're passed up on uh, because we need to go get uh, the jurisex of, of the world so but anyway we, we got uh, <laughs> the last guy before Musa was Rodrigo Pinho Rodrigo Pinho Rodrigo Pinho is right from Maritim Rodrigo Pinho Helton Helton Lake Elton Lake. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten yeah. a couple, but yeah, nothing. But, but nothing. Yeah, nothing that you could say. Fuck, we got this guy, and 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 look what he turned out to be. Uh, I mean, to, uh, I'm afraid I want to give a shout out to, to to Adam Almeida, and everybody actually for being active in the chat. But Adam Almeida says, "Glad to have caught a show live." But oh, it's past. Welcome. My bedtime. Uh, I have to catch the episode tomorrow. Boa noite, pessoas. Pessoal, I mean, fingers crossed for tomorrow. But my expectations are at an all-time low. Yeah, just um, just real real quick, so we could wrap up the game. And I know that we got off on a tangent, but uh, I I thought that good 
first 15 minutes for for Benfica and after that I think they just became way too predictable with Chavez also having uh, dropped their lines and and the, the thing about Rafa is that if Rafa doesn't have space in front of them so if the team is playing compact and Rafa doesn't have any anywhere to go he's, he's done it's so easy to neutra- neutralize uh, Rafa in the 46 minute coming out of the locker room and and damn I, I was surprised. Cabral came, comes in for Gedge. Gedge obviously sh- was one of the players that struggled that first half along with Rafa. Rafa struggled the whole game. Uh, and I thought that a, a sub at the half, where's wh- wh- this Schmidt been, right? Uh, and, and Cabral added a, a little bit more, right? So in the 59th minute, I, I would have given that goal to uh, to Cabral's ass. Uh, but apparently, Arshness was the official goal scorer for for Benfica's first goal of the game. You know what I didn't understand about that whole what? play? If you guys recall, when 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 Jonev takes it scored. to the line. No, no. When Benfica scored, yeah, on that play, there was a VAR review, and I'm sitting there like, guys, who gives a shit? If the ball didn't cross the whole line, which it did, if it didn't cross the whole line when Cabral kicked it in. Arsenal was right there and tapped it in. What what's what's the review for? I mean, they were really looking for any little yeah. bullshit in and order they do. to call that off. They do that to Benfica. Yeah, I, um, I mean, because what, what's their review? Okay, if it didn't go in, what the second one, the tap in by 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 Arsenal wasn't clear enough, guys. I I think uh, Chris, the the biggest thing, and and from what I can remember off the play, is the review was due to the fact that the goalie comes out of his line, and the goalie stopped being the last guy. And so you got to have two guys between the posts and the goal, and the striker then. Right. Uh, I, I, I think guess. that was uh, – but but to me, that that's a Cabral goal. It looks it looks like the ball is all the way in. and across the line. Yeah, and, and understanding this, you have VAR. You have multiple cameras, but you can't afford goal line don't technology. You have multiple cameras in Portuguese stadiums, in those high school stadiums. You can't get multiple cameras. <laughs> You have more than two, right? I don't know. They don't work for Benfica games. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is that why can't you afford the goal line technology? Right? Well, first of all, it's not just about affording them. You got honestly, which, 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 not even trying to be funny, but you need to have somewhere to hang them in the stadium. And when these teams were bancadas <laughs> that are like bleachers. Honestly, I'm not even trying to be funny, Alfred. But you gotta have, you gotta mount them somewhere. Yeah, I think. Build right? a little, little, a little, cameras. a little rafter, a couple metal tubes. Get a drone and just have get it. a drone. And just have it sit there the whole time. Um, uh, just, honestly, that's that same drone that delivered the ball for the the Tasa final. <laughs> they can put it to use. And, yeah, um, but yeah, but so, dude, honestly, I think I think I, I I think that's that's the the problem with it is that these stadiums don't have the capacity in order to have all this stuff mounted. I, I'm guessing now. But to get back to Cabral, Alfredo, you're my witness. Yeah. As soon as the game started, I criticized Getz starting over Cabral. Nothing against Getz. It's just that I thought Roger Schmidt should have started Cabral to build off the confidence of him scoring in the previous game. And he's the responsibility. He's the guy that they spent $25 million on. And if I got to get somebody going between my $25 million acquisition or a player that's on loan that after this year I may not have on my roster anymore, my obligation is to get my guy going. Yeah. 
And so I thought that was a bad job. I thought Cabral should have started. And look, to his credit, it wasn't his best game. But, hey, my man was involved, and, and I thought mm-hmm. that was his goal. Yep. And But credit to him for not giving up. And then Arsenal, this is the right place, right time, tapped it in. But nonetheless, I, I still don't understand why Roger Schmidt is playing a guy, another one, off of his natural position. Good. Right? So it's just, to me, it's, listen, man, it's Cabral until the wheels fall off, guys. Yeah. Play him, play him. Oh, yeah. And he had uh, he had the assist for the uh, musical that got called back. That was off of a uh, Cabral pass, also. So he, look, he, he's he's getting a little bit of confidence. He's he's getting there. He's getting there. Diogo Reis about gets as a right back. Apa, larga larga Não bebas mais. Seventy first minute. Thanks, Ted came in for Di Maria. And Cristiano, this this plays. This plays right into what you had mentioned a couple of weeks ago. If you guys listen to the podcast in terms of um, Govea, right? So what Cristiano mentioned was that Govea, up until the start of, or, or up until the the tra- the winter transfer when uh, the summer transfer window closing, Govea was was discarded. You wasn't going to be part of. You wasn't going to be part of of this squad. But now you look at this and you go, 71st minute, you're going to take Di Maria, which is the guy that plays on the wing. Why not bring in Govea? And he's he's played well these past couple games that he's that he's come in. Why Tankstead and why not Govea? I'm, I'm not even sure that I even saw Tankstead touch the ball, to be honest with you. But it wasn't even about a Govea thing. To me, is how is Tankstead over, over jumped, overtaken over Musa? How's he, how's he, like, what's he done? That yeah. he needs to be first option off the bench, as opposed to Moose. I, I don't understand. Roger Schmidt, he has all these. He's a head scratcher, man. It's, it's like it's like Rui Vitori used to say, "Cabal passa frente à porta todos," and I guess passa frente à porta do tanks that esta semana. Well, and the thing is that he starts the game with no forwards, and he finishes the game with three forwards. With three, three up top. Yep. <laughs> it's just it's just things that you know that make you scratch your head and figure out hey, but didn't you what say, did you say at the beginning of the pod that oh it's getting better it was good no i i, I thought it's it's Maybe getting better strikers not to allow goal. but what i mean is it's getting better in terms of us controlling the midfield and having more control of the of of that middle sector of of the game for me uh i think it's gotten a lot a lot better um, but is it there yet? No, no, of course not. Um, is it? Do I like the three center back setup as opposed to you know the the four that we usually use? I don't know. I think that we have quality center backs. I, I like Moratu also, even though he had a little bit of a mental lapse where he almost gave up the ball inside the box to to uh, to an attacker. Uh, but I like that. But. It, you just can't change from a four-man setup to a three-man setup and hope that everything goes smooth. There, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be a lot of drilling that needs to take place in order for these guys to know what spaces that they need to to occupy. Um, but I, I don't dislike the the three-man setup. Dave, what do you, what do you think of the three-man setup in the back, man? I think it, we need some time to get uh, the players need some time to get used to the system. Like you said, it's a completely different system than one that they've been playing with all season and even uh, going back to last season as well. And with a lot of these players uh, that we counted on to be starters now injured, 
I think we just got to try to make the best of the situation. Um, because really, we don't have anybody else to kind of plug in those positions. Like we said, right back and Joao Neves is playing, or not even right back, on the right flank there. Joao Neves is there now with the injuries, but I'm not I'm not opposed to it. I think this is the best setup given the injuries that uh, we're dealing with right now. So uh, deal with it and see what we can do these next two games um, uh, against Sociedad and Sporting are going to be the real test uh, to see how this formation yep. holds up. But I'm not uh, opposed to it just given the circumstances. Yeah. Um, you guys already heard Cristiano uh, mentioned uh, the PK in which we went up uh, to nothing and we put the... Uh, we put the game away at that Why point. Them, man? Why what? not give it to him? Why not build his confidence? Why let João Mario take it? Because he's he's not a designated penalty kicker. I don't care. Make the, this, bro. You <laughs> again? You spent twenty five million bucks on this guy. You know, I don't like know wanted, why a team like has the wife a fifty thousand dollar wedding ring to, to to treat her like a side piece. No, it's Cristiano, I don't know it's why people, on. why teams haven't contacted you to be a coach yet. You seem to have all the answers, dude, and not it makes baby. sense. It's not, it's not, they make sense. Not about having the answers. It's just my man. It's, it's common, common sense. sense. <laughs> I mean, you spent twenty-five million on the guy. You're up one-zero. If he misses, you're still up one-zero. But you have an opportunity to build my man's confidence. You have to get this guy going. It's not about that I know more than anybody else. It's just common freaking sense. And by the way, I might not be available. So don't <laughs> You might not be available. High, pr high price range. <laughs> it depends. Uh, yeah, that's why I said I might not. I might not. Dave, right price? That's my case. No, just uh, touching up a yeah, little man, bit. It's it just common sense, dude. This guy is a striker. Strikers like to score goals. They build off a of scoring goal. Striker can have a phenomenal game pressing and all this bullshit. At the end of the day, they're going to go in the locker room and be down like I didn't score. Because yeah. these guys live off of goals. And especially a guy that's coming in for 25 million euros. He's got all tons of pressure on himself by others. Dude, get the guy a goal. But here's the, the here's, goal. here's the other thing also, Chris. The way you could look at it, I, I completely understand where you're going with it in, in, as, a, as a booster. If he misses, is it more detrimental to his confidence than if you were not to take or if if things played out just as they did, that he didn't have to take the penalty kick? If he misses, if he misses and he goes down down a spiral that we don't then bro, then it was it was another error in, in, in casting. But people okay? are already saying that that is another well, error listen, in casting. Why not let him be build up? Exactly. Just because you might go wrong, you can't stop from giving the guy an opportunity to build forward. And he needs again. Those are very like in a zero zero, bro. And like, yeah, we don't want, we don't listen. Let's get the goal, all right? I don't care. I'm with you. But in a situation where you're already up one zero, right? Give the guy the opportunity, man. I get it. It might I... be it might be the link to get him started. I don't. I, I'm not disputing it. I just think that put him in that position, pressure situation. Yes, if he makes it, it's a great boost for him. If he doesn't make it, he may go down two rungs on the ladder when he had just gone up with the way he's been playing so far. You got to look at I mean, things I'm, both yo, ways, right? I love you. Like, yo, you're my brother. I hear you talk. You got a very low bar, bro. The way he's been playing lately. I mean, come no, he's on. been playing much better than the first games that he's well, played. I don't, know. I don't 
don't know if it's much better. It's just that before he's playing really bad, that now anything looks better. But he's not much better. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, the Andali. standard, the standard Andali. is very low. Andali. You're right. I had to pull, had to pull up uh, Cabral's penalty stats here while you guys were talking. Go ahead, Dave. See, maybe he's not a guy that uh, what is confident in taking well, I mean, penalties. Dave, he played on a team last year where he was a third third choice as, as a striker, so I doubt he's the one coming in to take penalties. But, right? uh, he probably hasn't had a lot of opportunity, but maybe at Basel he did. I don't know. Yeah, 15 career penalties, uh, converted 13, missed two. Uh, for Fiorentina, he scored two from the penalty spot last year, but yeah, majority's uh, these came uh, while during his time at uh, Basel, yeah. but uh, right, yeah, so converted 13, missed twice, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, one, one, I just wanted to say something on a penalty. Uh, in in Cristiano, you saw your homeboy uh, trapped, uh, having a goal called back as a result of him swinging his arm, hitting somebody in the face on a shot that he took, and scored a goal at Stade Luge. Look, um. To, you can look at it as soft, right? The way, as a referee, you, you, you look at it, it's 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 careless. Um, regardless of whether there was intent there, uh, you're in possession of the ball, and you're, the area that you're responsible for is the area of the ball, basically. Think about an imaginary circle around you and the ball, like FIFA. And when you swing your arms outside that area in a reckless manner, that's what the referee is going to look at. And that's what he called. Um, so I'm not against the call. I think it's a little bit soft, but understanding the laws like like I do, uh, I could see how that got called. Yeah, but Alfredo, but then you head down that, that, that tunnel that we don't all want to head down, bro, which is any little contact now is a foul. And so, I mean, look, people forget, right? Soccer, football, football, right, is a contact sport. But Chris, that's a foul. That's that's, that's Hold a. On. Better, better, better. I think that's where VAR is really effing everything up because you're able to slow down things or freeze and stop it frame by frame. Where now you see these contacts, and now you have to start calling all these BS ticky tack fouls. Do I think that he touched Ronevs in the face? Yes. Do I think he knocked them out by any stretch of the imagination? No. Have I seen plays like that throughout the field go on and not called 50,000 times? Yes. Do I think it was malicious? No. I, I think it was one of those fortuitous touches, right? It happened to touch him. Look. Joe Mario's height I, also helped. Remember remember this, guys. For you, Alfredo, the Freddies, and everyone listening to, to, to this, whenever it is, thank you guys for well, listening. That- but remember this, man. This this is the way I always, especially on these ticky-tack situations, right? I always pose the question to myself. And so do yourselves a favor and do the same thing if you want a little piece of advice from me, right? And the question is, Alfred, and I'll pose it to you and Dave, is if that was called on our box, would you have liked it? No. I mean, it was ticky But I would have accepted it. I mean, yeah, last I would have accepted it. I'm sorry? I would have accepted it. I wouldn't have liked it, but I would have accepted it because if that foul, listen, listen, that foul, if that foul, if that happens outside the box, anywhere on the field, that gets called every time. I don't think so, Alfredo. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I see it all the time. I see it all the time in the EPL, getting called in the EPL, not just in the Portuguese league. 
Guys smacking other guys in the face, waving their arms. That gets called all the time. It's it's careless play. It's careless play. It's not Again, part of my boy. Tarapto's my boy. Yeah. That one goal that he scored. Come on, our free. Hey, look, I hate to be doing this to my boy. Tarap, Tarap, hope you're doing well, brother. But come on, he hit him with a lot more force than what this dude hit. Come on, brother, this skimmed him. It's still careless for me. Um, but, but now you're gonna go down that rat hole, bro. Bro, that like every single thing now is gonna be disputed. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about the dispute. I, I I understand that. Like that. You breathe on a guy. False yellow. No, the thing is that if that happens anywhere on the field, it gets cold. I I just think that you had the VAR to call it. Fast forward to the next game with Sporting played and and the central defender from from Estrela Madura, I guess there was a little bit of his arm too from Bragança, but my man hit some square in the throat in the penalty. But Bragança pulled up his arm into his face. I don't know if he pulled it up. Yeah, he did. There's a there's a replay. Pulling, pulling. Pulling in it to different things. Yeah, he, yes, pull, he pushed he, his arm he against his face. His arm. He yeah. directed his arm there. But again, I just think that you start calling all these little little ticky tacks, bro. Portuguese football is already, in terms of time play, it was like 61st in the world. Bro, last year, this year's probably worse. It just, again, I think if there is intent, and I get a Red Baron says nobody commits penalties intentional. I don't know. I'd actually dispute that. Uh, Red Baron. Sometimes some people expert, no, <laughs> that they're getting away with it, just like we saw uh, Cardozo on that foul on Davi Neres in that first game. He thought he was getting away with it, cut it with the left, and comes up with his right. Sometimes these guys think they outsmart the next guy, but. I just think that it wasn't enough there. I don't think there wasn't any intention. I just, you know what I mean? Like, let that one go. Because for the sake of football. If he doesn't call start, it, I'm okay too. Start calling all these little things, man. If, now you're going to spend the whole game calling fouls, fouls, if, fouls, fouls. If he doesn't call it, I'm okay if, with it. If there's one play you want to question, I think there was a play in that game. I think it was Joan Nebs as well, where the dude steps on Joan yeah. Nebs' ankle and he gets a yellow. Well, yeah. we've seen occasions this year, they figure themselves, Musa, they get reds, and that wasn't intentional. Yeah. And so now you start, I mean, there's play. So why is one step a red and another step not a red? Yep. That's where I think we need to, but that penalty, and I'm just being fair. Like, if that happened on on, on, on Otaman, the other, I'm like, really, bro? Come on. Like, I wouldn't have liked it. So that's yep. where I'm at. I don't like it, so. Yeah, so uh, Benfica finishes the game with 16 shots, six, uh, five of them on target, uh, 20 uh actions in the opponent's box eight corners uh 88% in pass efficiency uh efficiency in, in a vertical pass 74% uh faltas cometidas or fouls 12 uh fouls and uh ball possession 64% for Benfica so uh dominating on a uh, possession uh not many chances uh created uh certainly um a win is a win and especially in in Chavez and and up north, where sometimes you will will play in some difficult fields. Uh, so to me, it was important to get these three points, whether it's pretty or not. Certainly, is was prettier than than the game against Sturil, and that's not saying much. So anyway, up next, Real Sociedad. Befica will play Real Sociedad uh, tomorrow as we record this. Uh, 12.45 if you're here in the eastern U.S. Kickoff is one of the early games, so make sure that you uh, set your alarms to 
to watch that. And and what can we say about uh, about this matchup, right? Dave, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, did you have any stats on that, Shavash? Sorry, I just went. Cristiano was talking no, too no, much. Just, right? just wrap it. Let's wrap it up. Let's uh, <laughs> head into this Sociedad one here. Cristiano was talking too much. I feel that I need to kind of rush this along. Um, the way the group stands right now, Real Sociedad with seven points, Inter with seven points, Salzburg with three points. Uh, a win by Real and Inter will will clinch a spot for them in the uh, knockout stages. Benfica needs, at the very worst, I think, uh, a point against the Real Sociedad if they were to keep their chances alive for the Europa League. Cristiano, Europa League or bust or domestic focus only? <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble on this one, so uh, I'm gonna that's try why to I'm asking you, because I want you to get in trouble. Because I already know what Hugo would say. Oh, yeah, you you go and I have these conversations all the time, and he thinks I'm crazy. I'm I, I'm of the opinion that if it, 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 if it's FIFA's you might as well just wrap it up, <laughs> win the domestic competitions, and and you know what, restock and come back and try to try to correct the wrongs from this year try to actually build a team next year as a guy who once was at the top of his game and today is, is an afterthought but at one point he was at the top of his game and he'd always say in order to be one of these teams that wants to compete on all fronts you gotta have two players per position i i think that memo was missed by whomever's running and making the decisions having fika because we've had one right back and even that's already saying a lot for the last four or five years you know this roster is not exactly composed the correct way, so hopefully they'll 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 have a long look at themselves. We have to at all costs win this campeonato. It's a hundred million guaranteed. It's one place guaranteed in next year's new format of the UEFA Champions League. Uh, I know it sounds crazy because I am of of the opinion that Benfica always needs to be in European competitions because we belong amongst the big sharks. But vamos para casa and let's let's focus. Uh, on what we can achieve, on what we could conquer this year, as opposed to going through these fairy tales in our own heads. Yeah, and and Dave and I were were talking about this while we were waiting for you. Real Sociedad is coming off of a match against Barcelona in which they dominated. They lost the game on uh, on on a on a on a good play by Barca, but most of the initiative and and the control of the game belong to Real Sociedad. So they're a team that is very high right now in terms of uh, the confidence levels. They've they've been playing very well. They got a good cohesive unit. Um, Do you think, Christian, I I think that because Benfica has shored up the midfield, it won't be as bad of a beating in the midfield as we saw uh, a couple weeks back. But certainly, I think that Real Sociedad has the ability to really expose Benfica in this three-center-back setup, especially because we haven't had the reps and the competition to test this three-center-back setup. What do you think? It's going to be hard? Do you think you have a chance? Do you think that perhaps the underdog role and the fact that we're not favorites will will favor us? You're asking me? Yeah. Or Dave? Either one of you. <laughs> afraid to listen man i guess the correct thing to say here is any game that Bifiga plays they have a chance now am i very confident in that chance no i'm not do i think so sedat at home 
is going to control things even further, more so than what they did at Schneider Lose. Yeah, do I have any confidence that João Mario, this great midfield maestro, is going to be able to stop these guys coming forward and doing whatever the hell they want with the ball in their own offensive zone? No, I don't. But as a Benfica man, we go into every game looking to win the game, regardless of our chances. We want to hope and sit there and root for the best. But at the end of the day, I think it is a very tall mountain to climb. Yeah. I think Sociedad is a very quality team, very organized team with spectacular players. Understand they don't have the names that Real Madrid and Barcelona do. Nobody's comparing these guys to that sort of team, but they are a team. They are what you call a team. They have difference makers, and they have you know players that would play Benfica with their eyes closed. Benfica has to be at the very at their very best at the top of their game. Which I mean, to be frank with you guys, they they, they haven't been at any point yeah. this season. So it's a lot to ask for. We hope the boys are up for it. We hope, as I said to you last time, that we played them. I remember coming on here at night, and you even talked about Benfica's next opponent, and I said, man, this team showed no pride. They showed no resilience. They showed no character in this game against Sociedad, and now we're going on to face a team like Aroca, which is the perfect team for – no, it wasn't Aroca. Casapia. Played Casapia after that, right? Yep. I think it was Casapia. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, bro, we have an opportunity here to play Casapia, and these guys have an opportunity to, to come in and put a positive result on the scoreboard and really build from their confidence, show everybody that they have pride in wearing their shirt. And w- what we do? We drew blanks. We, we just shit our pants, right? What was the score of that game? We dropped points. One, one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, again, everything that, I, like, like you said before, Chris, you have the right things to say. Yeah, I do, but just because I say them doesn't mean it's going to happen. So maybe I'm the one that doesn't know what the hell I was talking about, and these guys are they're doing all the right things, and I'm just a dumb one. But, yeah, man, I hope that they they show up, man. I hope that it's going to be a tough, tough mountain to, to, to climb, but yep. we've we climbed many tough mountains before. And so, again, if they want to stay alive in this competition, you will have to. <laughs> and even in this competition is already asking a lot but to stay alive in European competition I should say you, you have to at least come away with a point tomorrow so agreed agreed uh, we would have to see uh, Benfica playing the best game of this young season in order to beat Real Sociedad and I'll just leave it at that is the team capable of it? maybe you never know But I think I think that um, that the way Real Sociedad is playing and look, uh, you know, I'm a Benfiquista and I'm I'm always going to be positive and I'm going to have an optimistic outlook. But certainly, let's be realistic here. Real Sociedad is a very good team. They're playing at home. They're high in terms of their confidence. Uh, they're coming off of, of a, a, a good performance against Barcelona. They have a uh, they have a chance to to clinch uh, the knockout stages, which I don't know if they've ever been in the knockout stages of the Champions League certainly this new format I don't know if Real Sociedad has ever been there it's been it's been a while um but yeah it, it will have to be a Benfica at the, the very top of their game in order to um to beat this Real Sociedad Dave would you agree I would and uh I think unfortunately uh we have to come away with at least a point But it's going to be very, very tough, like you said, uh, going to Spain there. And uh, what I mentioned to you before we even uh, got on air here was uh, I just want to see uh, Benfica match Real Sociedad's uh, intensity because there was no intensity from this squad uh, 
uh, when we played uh, in, in Portugal. So uh, we might not get the result, but I want to see the intensity and see this uh, Benfica squad uh, play like we were playing and, and at least match the intensity uh, from last year's Champions League because so far this year, it seems like a team that's very disorganized and um, lacks, uh, keeps referring to it as intensity, but they're not they're not pushing up the field and they don't have that that same um, push that they had last year. So uh, I'm okay if they don't come away with the, with the, with the re- result we're looking for, but I want to see that intensity and at least have them uh, match Sociedad's intensity. Agreed. Um, after Real Sociedad, we have uh, the Lagartos at, uh, at Stadio de Luz. Uh, game happens on Sunday, 8.30 local, 3.30 if you're here in the east coast of the United States. And uh, what can we expect for this uh, derby? What's, what's, we know what Sporting's been up to. What Dave, you got any stats? Yeah, currently lead leaguer uh, leaders here with 28 points from nine wins, one draw. Second most goals scored. Uh, 22 through the first 10 games. Uh, historically, in our favor, 137 wins, 67 draws, 112 defeats in the previous 316 meetings. Last 10, five wins, two draws, three defeats. Last five at the Estadio de Luz, three wins, one draw, one loss. So the last victory uh, at the Estadio de Luz against Sporting uh, was all the way back in May 2021. So haven't had uh, too much recent uh, uh, victories against them. Yeah, Sporting uh, certainly this early in the season has been uh, uh, a lot more consistent than both uh, Benfica and Porto, uh, regardless of whether they've gotten some calls going their way or not. Uh, They've made uh, some signings that have made an impact on, on the team. So, you know, they they got a nice team. As Cristiano mentioned, same system, past three years, same coach. You know, there's there's routines and and there's habits there that uh, that Benfica and Porto don't have because of um, how far this or or how long this team has has been together. Um, I would expect a high press game from from Sporting, trying to take advantage of uh, Benfica not being all that comfortable in possession sometimes, especially when building from the back, especially when when the outlet balls are are, are not there. Um, Cristiano, do you think that uh, Sporting is going to take a conservative approach to this game? Meaning, uh, we have a three-point lead. Uh, let's not expose our, ourselves here and uh, give up this game too easy. Let's maybe be conservative and, at the very worst, come out of here with with one point. What do you think? No, I, uh, what do you think? I don't know. I, I think, and again, obviously, a lot of it will have to do with the way Benfica plays tomorrow, but. Ruben Amorim is going to want to attack a wounded dog. I think he's going to want to come in and he'll be watching the game tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and apply a lot of, again, if, if Sociedad is successful, uh, apply a lot of the same tacticals. As we've seen Benfica in European competition last year, Porto uh, showed Inter Milan how to play against us, lost against Porto, very next game against Inter Milan. They played the same exact way. And I think this time will be the reverse where, 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 uh, Sporting be taking a page out of Sociedad's uh, game plan going into this game. But I think Benfica, as I mentioned before, and I think anybody if you're used to listening to this and, and, and watch Benfica play along the year, understands that we've not been at our best. And so um, 
you have to to come at us. And I think I think Ruben and Mourinho will instruct his men to to go at Benfica. They're a team that likes to play on the counter as well, but. Benfica with the ball this year hasn't. We weren't good last year with the ball. We're kind of we were better at countering, and, I, I, and this year I think it's kind of like the same. Even though we haven't really exploited anything, so uh, yeah, I think Sporting's going to come at us, and I just hope that again, as I said before, Benfica um, is up for it. it's a rivalry game. We talk about this. I'm surprised neither one of us has said it yet, but it's a cliche, but it's it's factual, right? We throw records out when it comes to, 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 to these types of derbies and rivalries and uh, hope that Benfica and the boys are, are up for it. Um, Benfica is bad as they've played throughout the season, and yes, they've had negative results. Uh, even with a negative result tomorrow against Sociedad, which I hope that's not the case, but even with the negative result, they're still you know, a victory away from being top of the table in the Portuguese league, as you mentioned at the beginning of the pod. So they have to keep that in mind and they still have a lot to play for. It's a hundred million dollars at the at the end of the day that they have to play for in the spot in next year's Champions League. So hopefully yeah. the boys come out to play. Hopefully Sporting is is too tired from watching. Oh no, they play European game on yeah. Thursday, right? No, yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was gonna ask Dave with uh, Sporting playing on Thursday. One less rest day. You think that's gonna make a difference, or you think, as Cristiano mentioned, and as we all know, usually for games like this, everything goes goes out the window. They'll be they'll be fine. They're uh, staying in Portugal uh, for their game on Thursday. Um, they'll they'll be fine. It's an extra twenty four hours for for us, but I don't think uh, in a match of this magnitude, like you said, with a rivalry game, I think that all goes out the window, and they'll be uh, ready to go. Yeah, I think that uh, that again we have to be at our uh, at a very good level at perhaps a level that we haven't seen too much this season, if at all, to play against Sporting. As I mentioned, Sporting is a, is a team that has shown some consistencies. The team has been together. They have uh, they hit the nail on the head with the uh, with the striker that they went to they went to get. Uh, and uh, the biggest difference that has been between Sporting and us from from last year is that the signings that we went and got none of them have have. Well, I mean, I guess you could say Di Maria, right? But uh, not the rest of them haven't made the impact as as Sporting. Sporting went to get uh, Gjokeres, the Swedish, and he's he's made an impact right away. They had the Ullman also in the in the midfield, and he's he's done well for them. So guys that they went and picked up uh, that have made an impact on this team, and and Benfica, not really. Uh, we have Di Maria, but you know. Di Maria is a little bit limited. He can't play 90 minutes. We all know that. So anyway, what else we got to talk about? Nothing else, right? That's it. Unless Cristiano had something else to say. Nada, man. I want to watch the game tomorrow. I'm going to say, whoa, Viagin for all my friends making the trip out there. Well, they're already Some out there. Ugu, uh, Balaya. Flavio. Yeah, Ugu, Flavio. They're already there. Uh, they're already there. I know there will be more joining them, and Mariana is there. I, I, I'm pretty sure I missed so many. That's why I hate mentioning yeah. people because I'm pretty sure I've left some people out. But nonetheless, enjoy, man. Let's go support our Benfica. Yeah. Let's hope for one of them great European nights that we talk about here on the podcast all the time, and let's just make more memories, man. Let's hope we get a good result. It's going to be tough, but let's hope we get a good result, man, because we need to – to stay in this competition, it'll be it'd be brilliant to have a turnaround, man. These boys need to pick things up. 
I know things haven't gone well, but Roger, I'm pretty sure his confidence is shaking. The boys' confidence is shaking, but a result tomorrow could, could turn things around. So yeah. Um, well, if, any, if anything, oh, yeah. Yeah, if anything creates a little bit of a momentum, right? A little bit. Uh, you know, we've had the the change in in formation, as we mentioned. Maybe maybe the team just needed something different. You know, I don't know. We're, we're gonna hope. We're gonna hope. Thank you all you guys that were uh, very active on the chat. I'm sorry that we didn't get to some of the questions and some of your comments, and they were all very entertaining. Um, we got a chuckle out of, uh, out of a couple of, of you. Uh, Diogo Reis, especially. Zach, Zach Silva also. He's got an interesting point of view. Um, you know, And that we're all entitled to our own opinions. It doesn't mean that uh, we're right or or you're wrong it just means that you know we have different opinions and we're we're free to express them we live in Zach, a free... Zach is infiltrated he's he's a coach. he's infiltrated <laughs> he has to be yeah Zach said that he, uh, he'd rather see Tiago Rujo uh, over Murat Jason Gondola says 1-1 tomorrow Sheik Marlin says we're gonna get spanked by Sociedad uh, also much if we lose the next two games going to be crisis mode I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah but, eh, the media the media spins that but yeah you know we'll just uh, we'll just have to keep going keep plugging away game by game by the way question here Alfredo sure. does Benfica podcast have a WhatsApp group no you gotta get one, Alfredo. You gotta get with the time. Everybody's Chris, doing we got rid of it. Create the WhatsApp. No, there's it's a it's a new it's a new Dave. feature, Dave. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's another another too. platform for Zuckerberg to uh, spy in on us. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of like a, a a broadcast channel where I don't I don't do do the members get to talk or is just us just sending stuff out. I don't know. I think I don't know how that talk. works. I think they get to talk. I think it's, it's a way for them to interact with us. Yeah. Look, I, I say you create it so you could get these guys to go in a group and then every weekend say, Cristiano was right. You should have played. Should have given them the penalty. Can you I imagine Can you imagine the interaction on a WhatsApp group during a game? I don't know. We we only got like six Freddies. Let, so. let's, let's work on that. No, thank you, yeah, all of you, uh, for, for being here and being active in the chat. And I know that sometimes uh, – you know, guys that are watching are not active in a chat. I do that all the time. Uh, but thank you all that uh, take the time to to watch this live and also on a replay, but also listen to us on podcast audio format. Thank you very much for, for being here. Love you all. Carrega Benfica. Win tomorrow. Win Sunday. And, uh, you know, we'll be much happier. Take care, everyone. Later.